0: back to the discussion on the road to black economic development. This time we're discussing financial equity. This is your host Antonio Hicks aka Escaping the Matrix. In last week's episode we discussed education in school where we need better training for our teachers on how to properly handle our kids and deal with those who come from broken environments and dealing with those who suffer from PTSD due to poor conditions and growing up with parents who have generational curses they're afflicted by and also with zero tolerance mostly affecting black and brown children. So if you haven't, please go back and check out the first episode, Tackling the School-to-Prison Pipeline. It's a great discussion and it's very informative. And, you know, it's a good episode to listen to as we usher in this whole topic of the road to black economic development. So as we continue this discussion, let's look at another avenue, and that's money. So when it comes to finances, it's something that affects us all primarily. So even as we're talking about the road to black economic development, Money affects everybody. And this has become clearer during this time with the pandemic because it has exposed our most vulnerable point and is having reliable steady income. With over 30 million plus still collecting unemployment, the one thing we have to discuss is the path forward and what could have been some, what have could have been some of our best practices to prepare us for this storm. So we're told by leadership and those already in power that we should have over two years' worth of income saved, but most companies don't even pay you for the cost of living. So Americans are having to seek out other means and avenue to collect more money for that household. Now, money can it can equate to different things for a household, such as it can mean time spent with your your children, investing with time in your spouse or your own personal private life, or working on projects that you love doing, you know, etc. So, joining me again is Tamika Day as we dive deep into this topic and work towards understanding a road to black economic development and in this discussion of financial equity. Welcome, Tamika.
1: Hello, Antonio. Thanks for having me again. I can't wait for us to dive into this topic of financial equity, something that we just somehow just don't seem to grasp the concept of money and being able to talk about money, understanding it. What's a lot of money? What's a little bit of money? What's a good job? What does a good job look like? So, Join us as we talk about financial equity and we answer some of the tough questions and we really figure out what can we do next and how can we help make our communities and our households better and pass this on to the next generation.
0: All right, so let's start the discussion off on our babies because I mean, our babies are our, our most number one important thing. They're the generation that's gonna be picking up after us. So why is it important for kids to tackle finances at a very young age?
1: Well, if you missed the podcast last week, go back and join it. We talked a lot about education, the pop- pipeline to prison, and we know with poverty, you tend to drop out of school. There's um, less access to capital, less access to money. So on a recent study, I've read a high school dropout makes on average 19000 a year. Many of you probably wouldn't even know what to do if you only had $19,000 a year. A high school graduate makes $28,000 a year. And that's not even saying if that person go to school, that's just even if they just graduate from high school, they're gonna make almost double than someone who drops out. So we have to be intentional to talk about education, talking about financial literacy, talk about educating us financially because without the finances, Everything else that we're dealing with in our society, it continues to go downhill.
0: And what's interesting about it is a lot of our, our you know, kids that drop out of school and even those, because we talked about the prison system, too. And I forget what percentage it was. I think it was 70 percent of people that's in prison don't have high school diplomas. But during this pandemic, we considered them our first responders. And we talked about how great they were and how we needed them. How they were a blessing because they were our fast food workers, they were our baggers, our stock clerks. They were the guys on the back of the truck loading things up. They're your Amazon workers. So, and it's 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 funny to hear that because they're only making nineteen thousand, but we consider them to be a major asset in their job as essential when trying to get stuff done. So, you know, when we look at that. So, how does somebody move forward? dealing with financial equity if you're not even having enough money to even financially take care of yourself
1: well one of the ways that we move forward is being able to just talk about it finding ways to teach money management and let's start with adults who may not be as financial savvy just because people have higher education they have college degrees you now have college debt Interest rate on that college loan, and if you are a married couple with two graduate graduates from a college or a university, you may have both people with student loan debt. So as we talk about it, what is your income? Sometimes you can graduate with a degree that's not paying only a minimum wage or a thirty-five or forty thousand dollar a year job. Just because you have a degree does not mean that you're going to make you know six figure salary when you get out of school.
0: Hashtag social workers.
1: Right. So (laughs) as you think about essential employees, oh, now all of a sudden I am essential, but we're sending, these are mostly 17, 18 year old students who are high schoolers. This is just their part-time job. This is just something they are doing to maybe bring extra money in the household. And now we are relying on them to put their lives in danger. So you started talking about hazard pay. So where was hazard pay before the pandemic with our EMS and our emergency response worker um, EMT? Right now, we are very upset with our law enforcement, but I don't believe that all people in the field of law or policing is negative. You do have some people that really work with our youth and work with young adults and try to put them in programs to get them back on the right track. But we have to start talking about money because money keeps us disproportionate and keeps us at a disadvantage. So you ask me, what are some of the ways we can talk about it or we can teach it? One of the things I want to start with is set them up a bank account. Have we forgotten that banks are still open? Do your kids even have a savings account? Do they even have a piggy bank at home where you're showing them how to save money? Right. Start with a checking account for daily spending and a savings account for future goals. Prepaid cards or debit cards. Maybe allow them um, with gaming and downloads set up their money on a prepaid card so that they can watch and they can see and they can track how much money do they really have. If I download this game, that's $9.99. But there's two other games that I can get for 2.99, dollars or there's some free games. We can use every situation in our household that we're in now to try and teach these values and these goals and to really talk about money.
0: Right, I think it helps too, because I mean, a lot of us, especially a lot of us, you know, that went to college too, so you understand how to to work on a dime because you're trying to figure out, okay, what you getting back from your uh, tuition reimbursement and then you're trying to figure, out, okay, what, I have, what how much money can I afford to go hang out with or how much food I can put on the table? And a lot of us, you know, surviving off of ramen noodles and some boiled rice and stuff. But uh, <laughs> <I was laughs> some thinking. of us, some of us, because I know we mentioned it last podcast. Some of you was like, no, nah, no, nah, some folks, they, they come, they bougie. But yeah, <laughs> no, nah, yeah, ramen noodles for me. But now I have to think about that too, though. So if we teach kids about money at a young age, how many of them will be more likely to go in and work in those jobs to say, let's say a full-time job? Because like you said, a lot of 17, 18 years are doing it for part-time work, just to have some extra income, just to buy them a pair of sneakers or help out around the house or to put gas in their own car while they go back and forth to school. But then when it becomes a full-time job, will financial literacy from understanding from a kid help them out when they get older to understand, okay, even if I have education, maybe I need to stack on two and now that I have two of those together, how do I properly manage my money and invest it wisely as opposed to, yeah, I got two jobs, but I'm about to splurge on it.
1: Part of it is setting yourself up um, to live within a budget, having money and realizing it's for a certain purpose can help teach you to resist making impulse purchases. Right? So Mm -hmm. I have money, But I realized that it's for gas in my car. It's for an oil change. It's for an emergency. If one of my tires blow out on the side of the road, now I need to call a um, record company to come pick up my truck. Then that's going to be an extra $95. They need to swipe my car now and I only have $3.84. $3.84.
0: And we all know how that goes. If you're driving on the interstate and you see all these car- cars on the, car the side holes. of the road.
1: <laughs> right, so, and then they put that sticker on the back of it. Mm-hmm. So those are the type of things that we have to start now. And if, I think if you teach them boundaries and you just show them some guidance, then of course you can make your decisions. And I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect with money management. No. You're going to splurge. You might mismanage some funds, but we at least have to teach it so they know how to get back on track when they get lost.
0: Right. And I read an interesting article from out of Forbes, Why Financial Literacy in School Matters Today for the Workforce of Tomorrow. And it's written by Stuart Draper. And the article, I mean, the article is really good. So I ask, I ask all of you guys to go out there and Google it and read it because it really, it dives deep into how financial literacy is important at a young age, to get you better prepared for the workforce in the future, for your current jobs or any job, any business you want to create or start. And one of the things that he mentioned there, it says, according to a chaplain college national report card on financial literacy, 27 states received a grade of C or lower. And while students do learn math in school, the majority of schools are not required to teach finance related to curriculum, like the concept of compound interest, because they don't understand what the stock the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA and what even a a credit score is or how to even complete a tax return. And I think that's kind of sad in itself because I know my kid personally, he took a financial class at school, but he didn't understand, and I have two boys, they didn't understand about stock and They don't understand about investment to the stock market. Or any of that. So, it's sad that
2: when we go through school, we teach people about money and what money is, but we don't teach them how to manage money. And that's one of the things we did talk about in the last podcast. So, A lot of these athletes, when they come from a household or in a, a, a low-income area, and now they're being afforded all of this wealth, and then they end up spending it, and they don't have anything to invest back or hand down to their kids or even make it grow any further. So they have to keep, keep constantly trying to get more wealth to bring into their house.
1: So you're mentioning the word wealth, right? Mm -hmm. I heard an athlete, speaking of athletes, mention it like this. When you think of wealth, the owner of the team is wealthy. Right. The players on the team is rich. Yep. So because we haven't had or seen that type of money or millions or hundreds of thousands coming into our household they're not able to manage that money. It's almost like watching the show um, how they how they lost their lottery savings or the money that they've gotten from the lottery. How do you get $20 million in the lottery and then you lose it? So what we're talking about is not just about, oh, I don't even have any money to manage. We're talking about, okay, but what if you do have the money? How do you manage the money that you do manage to have, right? right. So you have to foster a savings mindset when you receive money from a job for allowances or even gifts, my daughter just had a birthday. She has gift cards to one of her favorite stores. How do I teach her that don't buy one item with your gift card? Mm-hmm. Let's add them all up. Let's make planned purchases. Let's look online. Let's look at some of the things that she needs. I felt like some of the gift cards is helping me out. Cause I'm like, she needs some new headphones and she need a bike. And I said, we're taking two of those gift cards To put towards your bike, you know, so now we're gonna get a discount. So we talk money and we're opening, we're open to having those discussions. Um, Allowances, a lot of times we don't give allowance anymore. So maybe teaching them that the Wi Fi is a part of their allowance, having access to what comes into the house, your water your gas bill, your cable bill, you know, do we even talk about those things or do we just tell our kids, oh, they just think the lights are magically on. So (laughs) those type of conversations when you're running the water, when you're brushing your teeth, they need to hear. And it's not always a negative. I know it's the way you say things. Oh, you're running up my bill, but they're there too. So really involving them in the conversation, showing them what a bill looks like, So that they can understand that, oh, okay, when I'm outside and we're running the sprinkler, you know, if you're in a house that it costs more water or when I'm in an apartment, mom still has a water bill. So those are some of the first things um, that we teach them that they should put a portion into a savings account for the future use. Mm -hmm. And they need to set a goal for um, future purchases. Even as adults, we need to start probably setting some goals to say, hey, I want this but is it something that I really need or that I have to have? Um, Some of the things that we don't even talk about, you have teenage boys. Let's talk about car insurance. Yep. And And. insurance is covering a big cost worldwide. You know, it's difficult for them to cover that on their own. So it's just insurance. No, it's insurance as a form of money. It's a form of payment. So there's so many different ways that we can break it down to where we can start teaching and introducing I'm um, this form of talk and equity as we're talking about financial equity so that we can make sure that our kids are not lost in this generation as it relates to money.
2: Right. And high risk versus low risk. That's one thing I did not understand when I bought my first car and I got my insurance and my insurance was, was highest. It was almost like a car note payment because I was young. I had no credit and considered me to be a high risk, especially driving. Um, I had a sports car.
1: Right? Or the color of your car. Let's talk about a red car versus a white car or a black car. I remember when I got my car in college and my mom was like, well, if you get the red car, my insurance is going to be more. And I'm like, to me, that was crazy. So we got a white car. So even just knowing simple things like that, Mm -hmm. It changes, like you said, your risk factor, Um, having a two-door car versus a four-door car. You know, so as parents are thinking about sending their kids off to college and they're thinking about what type of purchases they need to make. So some of the things that we're talking about is not just about the young adults. It's even adults who may not have heard this type of information in their homes.
2: And it needs to be explained because we always say stuff at a high level, but we never actually get down to the granule of it. Like what we actually mean, like growing up, close that front door because you letting all the cold air out the house. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> or, or don't leave that water running. You run, run all the water up and you're like, what are you talking about? Right. And right. Then you get older and you're like, oh, snap, man, my water bill going to be high if I leave this water running all day long. Or you got doors wide open because it's hot outside. But you got doors open and air conditioning is running all day long. You about to kill out your air conditioner, run it down to the ground. Now your power bill is getting us. You just stuff that actually equates to dollars. All this stuff equates to money being spent out of your household. And I think when we talk about our kids and their education, I don't one of the critical things that we talk about because you have two young kids and you have a 10 year old and you have a what is it? A, he's what four Four-year-old. now? four year old. One thing I always think about, because the the show is PTG TV and it's part of is gaming. I think gaming is a big asset when it comes to helping our children out because you did speak on that. And one of the things I think that helps me out when you get older is like, it's a game called Sims. So in Sims, you actually create this avatar and you live your life out online. The person has to go to work. The person has to get money to pay for things around the house. The person has to make, get stuff to, you know, have food on the table, to build a house, to do upgrades and stuff. It's interesting how, when you look at it, you separate those two realities to where one is a virtual reality and it's gaming. You'll work your butt off. You will work your tail off to make sure you got the best of best in the game. But once it comes to reality, you don't, you don't practice those same things that you do within the game itself. So you, do you think, like if we did, because like, you have younger kids, like my kids, they was growing up. They didn't have technology. What they do now? But now they didn't have that back then. Would they help kids out nowadays if we introduce games such as that to them at a young age to prepare them for tomorrow? Because now, like they used to do. I don't know. You know, you can speak more on this because, like, so you have younger kids. We used to have this little worksheet that we had to put our pennies and quarters and stuff on and go through how much is spent and, and whatnot. And you also, like, you talk about your kid going to the store, oh, this costs four ninety nine, dollars and you get two of them, and it's like, okay, it's $8.99, okay, but we don't even talk about taxes. So, doing all that now, talking about taxes and money and doing a worksheet and gaming, would that be beneficial for a child at a young age to prepare them as they grow older?
1: Well, first of all, we have to make sure that when they send the worksheet home, that we can read it and that the quarters don't look like pennies and the pennies don't look like nickels and the nickels don't look like dimes because the sheet is not printed out good. (laughs) And you're looking at it like, I don't know what it is. Was this supposed to be a quarter? Is it nickel? So once again, I'm always going to tie things back to education, paying attention to those type of details, looking at things. Sometimes we get papers home and I'm like, I can't even read what it is you're supposed to do. Did they run out of ink? Um, One year we had it to where they didn't have a textbook. They didn't have enough textbooks. So instead of sending the textbooks out, the teacher just scanned and made copies. So when we start getting into more of this financial and gaming and those different things, we're just trying to get papers home that look right to be printed so you can send back. So ideas and shifting and gaming, it sounds good. But at one high school, I've noticed that gaming is a new pathway to college, right? That's a new curriculum. It's a new thought process. But in another area, gaming is not even heard of, or you don't look at gaming as an opportunity, or we don't see it as a return on investment. We see it as they're always in there on those games. They're playing those games instead of teaching them, hey, have you thought about building the game? Do you understand the coding language? Mm-hmm. Do you know how you can take this game and really work it? Can you resell your games? I'm, I'm understanding that a lot of times now you can resell. Um, I have a friend who it's so popular. Her and her husband made an investment into a business. They have one of the gaming trucks. Yeah. And they said they have been so busy during this pandemic because people just want their kids to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. So now they have with this gaming, they are rolling up, pull up to your house. You can have it for an hour to two hours and kids are allowed to play the video games with their friends. They download it and they've turned this new thing that we think is frustrating or that can be way too much with gaming into a lucrative business. And I mean, they are truly thriving. So as you mentioned gaming and learning about downloads and return on investments, we can take every situation and have the conversation with our kids or we can can view it as something so negative that we create these barriers and these blinders to where they're not engaged. And we've been taught that money is dirty. Don't put that money in your mouth. With COVID-19, don't touch anything, right? Surely don't touch money. And let's look at the recent death to George Floyd. What was it about? They're saying that he passed off a fake bill, a fake money. So now you have people like, I don't want to touch. No, I'm just going to use my debit card because I don't even know. Maybe he didn't even know that that was something that, you know, was supposedly, I don't want to go into what the details were, but it was about a $20 bill. So you don't want to, if it's counterfeit or not. Um, The same thing my brother-in-law said, give me my receipt. What do they say when you go in the store? Do you want your receipt? So you don't even look at that as a portion or as a part of, you know, society or the economy.
2: All right, so we talked about gaming and stuff and how it... One thing, I mean, you know, I guess growing up, that was one of the things our parents did tell us, like, you know, you're spending too much time on these video games, but now we look at people nowadays who've actually made a career out of it. Not even even with the gaming truck, that is a cool thing. Because one of our best friends, they actually had to come out for their son's birthday party. And you're right, you know, they bring a whole console out there, 50-inch TV, they can play any game they want on multiple consoles, even the PC, and it allows them to connect. But they also... Like one thing I've seen, I forget the name of the game, Half-Life. It's a game called Half-Life. You can create digital products online and actually sell it in Half-Life and get real world dollars off of those digital content that you've created to put on there. But it's a lot of stuff that we don't know, especially coming from out of our communities because it's like we, we we shy away from stuff like that because it was some of the biggest things that we tend to focus on is a high level stuff. Okay, you need to do something in music or you need to be an athlete or... Uh, to be a lawyer or try to be a doctor, all high-level stuff. We don't think about low-level things, especially when it comes to trade skills. Like trade skills, I think we talked about it in the last podcast too, is in high demand. We don't have enough electricians out there. We don't have enough people that do HVAC services. We don't have enough plumbers that's out there. So, in all that stuff, it equates to dollars. And if you get it in school, that's something that you really don't have to invest in in college when you go to college. Like you can't go to a trade school outside of regular high school, but at least coming out of high school with a high school diploma, you'll have those baseline skills that you can pick up an apprenticeship with somebody else. So if you don't want to go to and get secondary education, you already have those baseline skills to give you sustainable income once you leave out of high school. But they have, still they have to understand what that money means and what it also means to invest back into yourself. So I guess, uh, well, go ahead.
1: Well, as you're um, talking about that, I wanted to kind of mention another stats that over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly $1 million more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. So when you start talking about career, a lot of these different particulars, they don't really say, oh, if you become a doctor or if you become a lawyer or if you become a nurse, it just says if you are a college grad. Mm -hmm. So we have to start changing our conversation and saying, hey, you have a diploma. I went back to get an instructor's license and I graduated. I walked across the stage because I received some additional additional credentialing. So Mm -hmm. as we think about, um, I have all three, right? So I'm a nerd. I love school. I love books. I love writing and reading. I have a technical undergraduate degree. I have a technical degree. I'm a licensed cosmetologist and I also have a master's. So I just feel like for me, I decided I positioned myself right Mm -hmm. to have options. I come from a single parent Household. I grew up in small town, Macon, Georgia. Yes, Macon, GA. And I decided that I wanted to do something different. And I knew that any job, any skill that I had as a cosmetologist, I can go to any state. And guess what? I can use those same credentials to get me a job. I may have to maybe get licensed in that state, but I still have my same skill set. So as we talk about technical careers or vocational schools as they used to be called, there's automotive mechanics. Mm -hmm. You can even take your car there and get your car fixed at a discount if you can't afford your car. The students there do dental screenings. Where do you think the dental hygienist and the dental... Um, the dentist, where do they practice? So I would like to say, yeah, they're licensed to practice. They're practicing on your teeth. So if you do not have dental insurance, and right now a lot of people not having their insurance coverage due to COVID-19, you're able to go to, I'm sure when it opens back up, I know things are closed now, but you may have to go back into a technical college and receive some of those services the same way as we get our hours for cosmetology. You're practicing and you're learning on the patrons that come in the building, we get an education as well as you're receiving a service for a lot less um, dollar amount. So Mm -hmm. those are some things that we can look at and we, we, you know, that we need to have a conversation on. I know we focus on four year degrees. We focus on college, you know, and you need to set up a career plan. Yep. What is a job versus a career? What is a job? What
2: Hashtag is a- Medicare for all, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it, it is communicational because if you think about it, like you just said, I mean, no studies say if you have a college degree. But then we talked about earlier okay, if you do have a college degree, you don't make a certain amount, you only make a certain amount of money. And sometimes, you know, working in a warehouse gets you paid more than the social worker or even a school teacher. Correct. School teachers have to go back to school and get the higher educated, higher degrees just to even get an income boost. Because especially now when we look at COVID and how some of the, the government, the government had to allocate funds that would have gone towards teaching increases. It had to go towards our healthcare system. Again, hashtag Medicare for all. And which means now the money that would have went towards giving them a pay increase. They no longer get it. And matter of fact, they may have to get furloughed for some teachers because they don't have enough money. So now we're talking about cutting education again, hashtag police reform and defund the police. It's not defunding the police, it's reallocating some of the finances and money that go towards weaponizing police to go back towards things that actually would prevent kids from even being in contact with the police in the first place, which is your education and feeding back into your community itself. So let's go back into, let's talk about the black community. Because we're talking about things now that affect everybody across the board because this is not just black and brown when you're talking about gaming and doing things that will actually expand a bunch of your own own knowledge base and give you actual skill that you can use outside of corporate America. But let's talk about how we can improve the actual black community itself because again, those are things that we don't necessarily discuss because we don't have the necessary knowledge to even bring it up to our kids because we can't tell our kids, I mean, you know what? You like playing games and you like streaming online. Why don't you become a YouTuber? We don't tell them stuff like that. We, we think it sounds good, but we don't know the knowledge necessary to give them the direction to move forward on even how that would even look. So how does understanding finances help the loan game in the Black community?
1: The medium household network of Black Americans is 17,000. White Americans is 171,000. So they're 10 times more likely to make more money than us. Yeah. Black businesses, unfortunately, they make 58,000 in comparison to non-minority white business owners they generate 552,000 so once again 10 times more so if they're making 10 times more with or without education you are just going to simply have to have either 10 times more the education or 10 times more the skill set and you're going to have to learn how to manage it home ownership rates for African-Americans, is about 40% versus 70% for white America. So even though we like to say, oh, I don't have to go to school or I, who's hiring you? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can start your own business and that'll probably be our next podcast, Entrepreneurship. But let's discuss the economics of higher education. How can I get this education at an affordable cost. And I think sometimes we like to talk about what sounds good or your parents might've been able to send you to one school. Well, now the way your life is set up and especially coming off of COVID-19, some of the university systems where students probably were going to attend, they're probably not going to be able to attend those colleges coming back into the fall. Mm -hmm. I remember when I started college, I set out that first fall, Um, quarter and I didn't start in August. I started in January. So now that we're modifying, we're adjusting everything is pre COVID and post COVID, and we're still in the middle of this pandemic. It is not going away. So we have to parents also need to help teens balance their costs, the benefits of obtaining a degree versus a certificate or a diploma. And maybe you might need to get this certificate this year while we're waiting on things to shift, but let's not just stay home and don't do anything. Let's work on positioning ourselves. Um, With the phones, the gaming, Googling, downloading, let's educate, you can take a lot of free classes online right now from universities. You can Google um, how to obtain financial literacy. Let's work on your financial aid packages. Let's work on applying to schools and different colleges. Let's take this time and work on scholarships those things still exist and they are available. And the internet and technology has made it better to where it's right at your fingertips. So I think wanting to seek out the information, being more responsible, and not just thinking that our kids are getting everything they need at school. We have to start having these um, conversations. Find them a mentor. Find someone that look like them, that don't look like them, but you know can reach them, whether it's a coach or reach out to your old, Teachers, email the teachers and see how they're doing and say, hey, you know, I remember we talked about this in school, but we have to start having the conversation. And I think that's a big part of the problem. We're not talking about it.
2: And we also, let's highlight too, people having bank accounts versus people not having bank accounts. And who are the demographics that don't have a bank account versus the ones that do? Because one thing we looked at, we talked about... um, what was it, the CARE Act, and how they sent money out for incomes for a stimulus check? And one of the things that we saw happen was a lot of families went out, and because they, they have what is um, non-traditional banking means, where they have the payday loans or the uh, pay-as-you-go stuff, they actually got their IRS checks or their income tax checks coming from a pay-as-you-go place or payday loan place. So when the stimulus checks came out, it went to last known place when they got the file of taxes where their check came from. And therefore, they didn't get that money because it's not a traditional bank and they didn't have enough money to cut checks even though they got the money. So they just hashed that they did get the money. They got the money, but they didn't know how to give it to the people. And they got sent back to the IRS. So now you got to wait even longer to get that money that you probably needed for groceries because groceries... You know, I don't care how much you're making. If you're talking about during the pandemic and you're spending the bulk of your time at home, your grocery bill is going up higher than what you would have been spending when you were going out to work because you might grab a lunch for work. But now you have to have more food in the household to take care of you and your own personal family members. And I know the one thing you sent out is about a study that was done that those are banked versus unbanked. And it was that 6.5% of households in the United States were unbanked back in 2017. And who's unbanked? it's the low-income families and their minorities and stuff and why is that so let's just touch on that for a little bit
1: well let's banks are here to make money right it is a business so the challenges in offering low and no fee accounts is their profitability so some banks when you look at them you can go to one bank and they don't have any check cash and fees they don't have any um, fees to get a money order or you know to get Um, a cashier's check, that might be at one place. But then let's say you had a non-sufficient transfer or something happened with your bank account. Now your bank account is negative. Well, you missed that. Now you have a $30 fee on top of over-the-limit fee, on top of overdraft fee, or they didn't pull it from your savings. It's so many things that you have to be aware of in the bank. Now your bank account is closed and now you're unbanked. So it doesn't mean that you didn't start out trying to get a banking account, but Mm -hmm. now you're unbanked. Now, in order to open back up your account, it's $236 (laughs) in fees. And then they're still adding a monthly maintenance. Now you're gone three months without a bank account and now your account is closed and now pandemic happened and you need to obtain your stimulus money because this could start your trajectory up again, right? So when we start to think about these building blocks, there are some banks, they have second chance opportunities for people. And what that was, was like they have database screenings and they screen the accounts. And there's an opportunity to go from a traditional checking account after six months. If your account is in good standing, you get offered a new chance. You go through screenings, you go through the bank. By this time, you're just like, I'm just going to use my phone or I'm just going to go to the check cashing place down the street, not realizing that those fees, which are considered predatory lending institutions, those fees and those interest rates are astronomical. And it's almost like you can never get out of that cycle. So as we're talking about financial literacy and we're talking about the banks, a lot of people assume that everybody have a bank account. No, Mm -hmm. everyone does not have a bank account.
2: And that's the thing, too. Financial literacy does, I mean, it really, that's one of the underlying factors, too, on top of education that really can help us get us out of this economic downturn and push us upward. Learning how to actually utilize the skills we have and how to save money where we can save money, because technically it is saving money. So you got to get your credit right to actually get a bank account. You actually have a physical place of residence. Like, you have to have a physical place of residence. Can't be homeless. You got to, or, when no, you can't be homeless anymore because the place they had here in Atlanta, they closed them down. They will allow you to use them for residency. So you have to have a physical place of residence to establish you a bank account. Because like you said, when you go to these alternative financial services, there is a fee associated with it. So you get you a $300 paycheck, but now you got to spend $25 out of there to go towards getting that check cash from their place. And they, they could have been used towards putting gas in your car. Been used towards putting some food on the table, could have been used towards paying towards a power bill or something, or just even a save. And that's the thing that's really hindering us from like moving ahead. Cause like I said, a lot of institutions, even when you get a degree, they don't even pay for cost of living. So cost of living is on is always going up. Like, and this is my own personal opinion, because I, you know, I like to get data about it and get data for this. But the typical place to rent here within Georgia for a studio apartment on average probably about eleven to twelve hundred dollars a month. But you got most places don't even barely pay you $15 an hour. So how are you even paying for that? So when you got to go get a place to stay, now you got to go to, we did talk about this in the last podcast, to a low-income area. It doesn't necessarily have all the jobs, the the greatest jobs out there. They don't have access to mass transportation, so you can't get to a good-paying job. And even if you could, you got to get up hours on end because it's going to take you two to three hours to even get just to that place alone. And then you talk about having kids, the kids are not going to the best schools. So even in what we're talking about today is that the schools are underfunded and it's underfunded in low income areas. So now all of those things, it, it plays a part in your whole economic development. So I guess before we finish out, let's talk about entrepreneurship. Because we did talk about that, especially you being an entrepreneur, we talked about teenagers learning how to play games and get money off of, let's say, going to YouTube or learning about video games and selling, stuff, selling things online, or even getting trade skills, learning how to, to actually use some carpentry work or learn how to work on things on the side without having your traditional license as of yet, even though you'd be at high risk, or even working on cars. Like even going to university, some kids can work on cars outside of it to draw some extra income. One thing I know we have here within Georgia, and I'm sure it's in other areas too, is kids out selling water on the sides of the road. So what's your opinion on it? Because May Bottles is like, you know, she's not trying to have them arrested. They're just practicing entrepreneurship, but she really wants to create a safe space for them to be able to do that, to bring more money in. So how, what are your, your, your take? I think it's a good thing. I mean, if, if that's what they're doing, selling water, I don't have a problem with nobody selling water. I don't care if you come and knock on my window because people say they've been aggressive. You can knock on my window. You know, I might not buy no water from you, but I might give you some money. So what's, what are your, what's your take on that?
1: Well, one, we have to realize, is it safe for them really to be in the middle of the street? Certain areas are dangerous. We have to look at in Georgia, we have the highest sex trafficking crime. So a lot of times, even though we see that out there, are they really out there because they're just trying to provide something for their family? Or is it an undercover operation? Is there something going on? Are they being forced into child trafficking, you know, there's so many different things that we have to pay attention to that we were trained on, um, especially during the Olympics. I was a, a volunteer and many of the things that we, those are the type of trainings that we really went through was what to look for? we were the eyes and ears um, in Atlanta, Georgia, during that time, mm-hmm. so with the Super Bowl, those were the type of classes in the training that they did provide to us and say, "Hey, when people are selling water, kind of ask questions, you know, make sure that people that are not licensed vendors you know What are they really doing here? Are they in some type of other trouble? Are they in danger? Those could be signs of distress. So I don't want to minimize that people are making extra money. I just want to say sometimes we have to look at things a little bit deeper. And let's try to realize why do we have eight and nine-year-olds? Because they're selling water. We don't consider it a, um, what is it in other countries, child labor laws, right? right? If it was in another country, you'd say, oh my God, they're, Um, child labor laws suck. But then in Georgia, it's like, uh, we kind of don't want to really rock the boat. They need extra money. But aren't there social workers and resources and other assistance that we can provide in our communities to help those students or to help those young adults? So that's why we have to make sure that we are having those type of conversations to really figure out what's really happening. And that's why it's important also to police your own neighborhoods, you know? Hey, we don't like to talk to people anymore. Hey, you in distress? Is everything okay, you know? Hey, we have this shelter here or we have this resource. We have a library. We have some other things that we feel, you know, may could benefit you. Hey, this place is hiring. And I think sometimes we just are afraid now to get in people's business. We don't want to be nosy. Um, mm-hmm. We don't want to ask the tough questions. It's embarrassing. And that's where we have lost the sense of it takes a village to raise a child. We've lost that sense of um, community in policing our own, our own selves and our own communities.
2: Yep, I agree. So as we, we end this segment of financial equity, I want to thank Tamika Day for joining me again as we discuss the road to black economic development. And I'm going to invite her back again as we continue on in this segment to really try to break down what we need and what we believe we need, because it's just our you know our opinion, you know. <laughs> it's our opinion. What we believe we need to better improve the life of minorities, especially in the black community, and help us to get away from not only just protesting but what we can do to better our households and the generation going forward and then put policies in place that actually prevent us from getting uh, involved with the system. So as we transition out, this I'm going to ask Tamika to tell us more about what she has going on and where we can uh, actually reach her at.
1: Well, some of the things that I'm doing is um, joining a couple of boards being a part of the conversation in organizations and places that I'm in, engaging, taking a lot of online courses right now. I'm taking two classes. I'm taking one from the University of Michigan, Diversity and Inclusion in Higher Education, so that I can speak to um, the misrepresentation that's happening. I just was asked if I could sit um, on another academic board where someone is putting together some equity resolution Things and let's talk about how we can be more equitable. So, I want to encourage everyone to check out some of the free courses that are out there right now while you have time, while you still are adjusting right now to this new normal. Um, think about how you can improve your life and the life of others. If you want to reach me or you would like for me to um, speak to one of your groups or to be featured on your Zoom, I can be reached at I am Tamika Day on all social media platforms. My, e- my website address is www.tamikaday.com. That's T-A-M-I-K-A. And I want to leave you with something positive as Antonio has instructed right. me to make sure that I give you some hope and some wisdom. Um, when you help someone, when you become a friend for life. So true success is when you reach back and bring somebody with you. Thanks.
2: That's good thoughts. Yeah, I like to end the podcast speaking positively over everybody that's out there because it's one thing that we have been lacking. We see a lot of negative stuff in the news, even though it's for a right cause, it's still, you know, is is it's tend to put a lot of people in a bad place because there's a lot of fear of uncertainty. So one thing we talk about dealing with finance, we also need to look at ourselves as a brand. You are your own personal brand and you have to protect your brand. So as you get any sort of extra income, it's no problem with you investing back into yourself. As long as as you invest back into yourself, it causes a potential investment back to your family, who you are, your mental state, and something that can help you going forward. So remember just that as you're going throughout, you are your best self. You are your best brand. You are your Nike. You are your polo. You are everything. And as you move throughout the day and you manifest those things in front of you, if you manifest that energy in front of you, then you will attract what's coming back to help improve you and your lifestyle. So thank you all again, as we talked about this segment, the Road to Black Economic Development. If you haven't, go back and check out our first podcast again. Uh, tackling the school system pipeline we're going to be back again next week I'm going to put out a trailer for that to talk about what's the next step is for the road to black economic development so I want you all to stay safe out there in those streets continue to live your best life just know that everything is not doom and gloom you know love is out there and it will come to you stay safe happy podcasting